was uh, at the driver's license branch getting my uh, driver's license, and uh, there was quite a few people there, and I anticipated that happening, and so I took my iPad with me, and I said, you know what, they may think that I'm waiting, but I'm going to do some work. So I grabbed a number and uh, sat down, and I started to do some work on my iPad. I was checking email, I was typing some stuff, and I was just thrilled at the fact that everybody thought I was waiting, but I was getting something done. But something happens when you're waiting, and you're focused on something else other than what you're supposed to be focused on. You don't, you don't listen to what you're supposed to be listening to. And uh, it was about 20 minutes in. I'm still pretty excited about uh, how much work I'm getting done. It was a little bit longer in. I'm still excited about the work I'm getting done. And then it dawns on me, numbers are being called. I have no idea what number I am. I look down, and it's 15 people past me. When we're waiting and we're not listening, it can be wasted time. And we're going to talk a little bit about waiting and not allowing it to be wasted tonight. If you grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, we'll be there in just, just a moment. Last week, uh, we started this little mini-series, just two weeks long, entitled Waiting on God. Waiting for God to show up. Waiting for God to speak. You know, in this time of Advent, as Pastor Edgar was sharing, that's what this is about. It's about us anticipating the birth of Jesus, waiting for the Messiah to come. We can imagine what it was like for those first people on that first Christmas, not really having an idea of what was coming, but it was the Messiah who was there. Not everybody recognized the Messiah, but the Messiah came in a way that was unexpected, waiting on God. Advent, we're celebrating the arrival of Jesus. And now we're not just counting down to the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. We also are collectively waiting on his return. We know that Jesus is going to come back again, and we are waiting in celebration together. Tonight, as we uh, look at waiting on God, waiting for him to speak, it's one of my favorite things to talk about is that the living God who created heaven and earth actually desires to speak to us. I mean, it amazes me every time I teach on the fact that the creator of the universe wants to talk to you and wants to talk to me. But not everybody is amazed. Some people are just perplexed or they don't even buy into it. I don't know if it was around here or not, but uh, a year or two ago in Oklahoma, there were some billboards that were around. And uh, the billboards said this, don't believe in God, question mark, you're not alone, period. And when I saw that, it kind of, kind of just shook me a little bit. So I did some research to see who that was put up by. It was, it was a group of people called the Oklahoma Coalition of Reason. Now, I found that it's not just a group of Oklahomans who was doing this. In every state, they had a coalition of those for reason. It was a number of atheists who came together and joined a group to, I guess, increase the PR movement of the atheist crew. And uh, it, it always was surprising to me of, of why you would give money, why you would assemble to say what we don't believe in or, or what we are not about. But that's what it was. That's what this billboard said. And as I read this, I thought, it just, it just breaks my heart because this is not a champion of a cause. This is not just saying, go atheist, because it said, don't believe in God, question mark. It wasn't a statement. It wasn't a rallying cry. It was a question. And every time I read that when I drove by, it just, it broke my heart because it was almost in a tone of, don't believe in God? 
you're not alone. I mean, by their very own admission, by the punctuation that they chose to use, they were saying, assuming that if you don't believe in God, then you must feel like you're alone. It breaks my heart for all of those around us who feel absolutely alone because they do not believe that there is a God. And not only do they not believe there's a God, so many even more don't believe that a lack of God or if there is a God would ever care to speak to them. But we know as Christ followers that there is a God and that God longs to speak to us. The question is, have you heard God? Have you heard him recently? And maybe more importantly, what have you done with what he has said to you? There's nothing more exciting to me than to talk about the living God speaking to us. Now, when we look at Scripture, this is not just something that we've conjured up in the last few years. The Bible is full of examples of how God speaks to his kids. It's not this book of exceptions. It's not just this strange thing that happened once upon a time. This is how God works. This is in his DNA to be a communicator, a creator. It's in our DNA, made in his image, to communicate with him and to create what he is calling us to be about creating. You see, as we look in scriptures, we find that God spoke to many people. But it doesn't always tell us how he spoke to them. It often tells us what he says, but I want to know all the gory details. I want to know exactly how it happened, and we don't always get all of that. Scripture tells us that God spoke to Abraham and his wife Sarah. He said, go to the land that I am showing you. But it doesn't say exactly how God spoke to them. I wish it told us all those details. Scripture tells us that God spoke to Noah and his family and said, build this huge boat. But it doesn't tell us exactly how God spoke to Noah. God told the apostles, I want you to spread the good news. I want you to go here and preach. I want you to go there. And and doesn't always tell us how God spoke to them in every example. But there are times in Scripture where we not only see what God said, but we begin to see how God said it. That's what this passage of scripture is here in 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want you to grab your Bible and read along with me, starting at verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You you called me. But Eli said, "I, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I mean, this is happening over and over and over again. And finally, Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. 
So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel replied and said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Then the Lord begins to tell Samuel of a harsh word. A word of correction that's going to come to Eli in his house because he was allowing sin to go unchecked and he was not leading the way God had called him to lead. I want to pause on that passage of Scripture because I believe God has something for us tonight as we are in this time of waiting, this Advent, waiting for Christmas. Not just counting down to presents as our kids so adequately challenged us this morning. We are waiting to celebrate the greatest gift ever given to us. As our kids said, one, the greatest gift was God's love, and two, God gave us his best, his son, Jesus Christ. But as we are waiting, God wants to speak to us. And Samuel's story of how God spoke to him has some highlights for us. Samuel was was living in the temple. He was growing in the Lord, and Eli was mentoring him. And the first thing I want us to catch is Samuel, he was not sure who he was listening to. If you're taking notes, write that in. He was not sure who he was listening to. It's a dangerous thing when you're not sure who you're listening to. Because when you hear things, you're not sure if that's the right thing to do, and you don't know where to go. And so he wasn't absolutely sure who he was listening to. The question I think we need to ask ourselves is, are we listening at all? And, and if we're listening, do we know who we're listening to? And are you listening for God to speak? Write that in. Are you listening for God to speak? You may be in the uh, driver's license branch like I was. You know you're waiting and you hate to wait. And so you are going to make the most of this dead time. And though your number is being called, you are not listening. At least you don't know who you're supposed to be listening to, and you're not listening for the words that are calling you out. Later on in that driver's license branch story, they called my name. After you take a test, they call your name to tell you if you still don't remember how to drive. You have to take that test again. I've never been so nervous to answer questions that I already knew the answers to in my life. They said, you passed. But the second time, they called me by my name, and and I recognized my name far more than the number that was randomly assigned to me. Samuel was not sure who he was listening to, and we have to make sure that we are listening and we know who we're listening to. The second thing I want us to catch is Samuel was directed to hear God's word. You see, Samuel had a mentor, and it was Eli, and even though Eli did not Uh, discipline his sons well he wasn't dealing with the sin in his own household the way that God had called him to he was mentoring Samuel in a way that was beneficial it's a challenge for us especially in the waiting time but in all periods of life who is mentoring you who is speaking into you who is the one weighing in on the things that you hear and do they point you back to God do they point you back to Jesus or do they just point you back to what you want to hear we need people in our life who will point us back to god when we are listening for direction and it wasn't just listen to god look at this in the passage of scripture he said hey something is going on 
I'm not calling you. You're bugging me. I can't sleep. But he was wise enough to recognize that maybe God was speaking to Samuel. And he said, do this. Lay down and listen again. And if you hear him speak to you, then say, speak, Lord. Speak, Master. Speak, the one who is in charge. For your servant, the one who will do whatever you say, is listening. The wisdom that he got was not just to listen, but to listen with a servant's heart. Sometimes I think that when we feel that God is so silent, we feel like we are waiting. The question is, are we waiting with a servant's heart? Are you praying this prayer? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, Advent is not the only time of the year that we're waiting. In fact, I want to suggest to you that 12 months a year, we find ourselves in some type of waiting. And we need to be listening for what God has to say to us, listening with a servant's heart. Finally, from this passage, he was open to hear God's word. He was listening with a servant's heart, but he was open to hear God's word. He actually listened, and then he submitted to what God had said. He heard a tough message. It wasn't just this pat on the back. It was a tough message from the Lord about what he was going to do with Eli, the one who was mentoring him. And he heard it and he submitted to what God was saying to him. The question I think we need to look at tonight is in this waiting time, are we listening? Are we listening to God? Are we waiting on God to speak? Or is it possibly that God is waiting on us to listen? Sometimes when it seems so dry and so silent, it's not that God isn't speaking, it's that we're not listening. You can sit there and you can be, whether you're trying to ignore the waiting time or you're, you're, you're in agony, just can't wait any longer to hear your number being called by God and you aren't even listening and you miss it. I had to go back in line and get another number and that was a wonderful thing of the bureaucracy of the driver's license branch and I got to wait again wasn't their fault, but I wasn't listening for the cue that was given to me. Are we listening for God in the waiting time, or has God happened to wait for us to possibly listen? When we hear stories of how God has spoken to people in Scripture, and especially ones like this, where we get to see how God spoke, I think we, we can miss something here, that God will speak. He'll speak to every one of his kids that will listen, but he doesn't choose to speak the same way all the time. Not everybody got the voice audibly like Samuel did. As I read to you some of those examples in Scripture, we don't always hear how God chose to speak to them, but when we listen, he will speak to us. I want to share with you just a a couple stories out of my own life to help us begin to see that God is speaking to us All the time, the question is, are we going to listen? And especially in the waiting time, will we allow him to stretch us? God spoke to me, and it was a a very important moment in my life. It would make the highlight reel of my life. Someday, when I'm in heaven, if there's a highlight reel plate of my life, I know this is going to have a lead spot. It was the day that God called me to full-time ministry. I was 13 years old, I was in junior high, and I was in in Iowa. I remember standing in that church parking lot. My soul was wrestling, and I could not stand it any longer. And I've I've told some of you this story, but, but I haven't told all of it to you, so I want to dive in and tell you a little bit of it. 
I'm standing there in the church parking lot, and God is calling me to full-time ministry. And, and you say, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, I grew up in a pastor and evangelist home, and I saw the underbelly of the church stuff, and, and all the glamour that may be there at first glance was gone in my mind, and I wouldn't want to have anything to do with being in part of a church as far as an occupation or a life calling. I didn't want to do that at all. I saw some things that my parents went through, and I said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I saw some ways that people can treat those in leadership. I said, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And In fact, it wasn't just that I didn't want to do that, what God was calling me to. I already had plans. I was ready to do something else. And I've told some of you, I was planning on being a professional soccer player. Now, I I didn't know at the time that I don't have the talent or the drive to do either one, but that was my plan, none of the difference. And God was calling me. But I knew at that moment that it was better for me to obey God, even if I could not imagine doing that, than to go on my own and try to do my own life thing. So as much importance as a 13-year-old could have, I, I remember there getting on my face before God in that parking lot there at that church and say, God, I'll go into ministry if you want me to, but just don't make me one of those goofy senior pastor guys. And so I was on my course to be a youth pastor for the rest of my days till I died because anybody who wasn't a youth pastor for their entire life was, was cheating somehow or something. But it began a comical journey as God began to lead and reminded me that he knew what he was up to and rarely did I have it figured out. I thought I did. That was a highlight reel for me. And I can fast forward through different points in my life where there was major exciting times. I remember the very first time that I led someone to Jesus. And I knew that it wasn't me because I had no idea what I was supposed to say, but God gave me the words. And I was so thrilled when that person not only stayed to listen, but they said, yes, they wanted to accept Jesus. And I almost didn't know what to do next. I had so many people say no, I I wasn't sure when someone would say yes, what you're supposed to do. And so I just kind of fumbled through it and, and they prayed and they accepted Christ. And I saw the light come on in their eyes. And at that moment, I thought, this is what I'm created to do. And it was amazing that God was speaking to me, giving me the words to say in that highlight reel moment of my life. I was preaching my first sermon, and I remember that feeling for the very first time as I was preaching that God was speaking through me. And and it wasn't my words, but it was God's words. And I thought, this is what I'm created to do. And it was great to hear God speak to me in that highlight reel moment. As we get to know each other better uh, over time and years, you'll begin to understand that even this next phrase makes me very uncomfortable to say, but it was a highlight reel moment for me. Uh, I was in Grove City, Ohio, and at the time it was the largest church of the Nazarene in North America, and I was invited to be a part of the regular teaching team there, and and it was a particular Sunday where I was speaking, and there was over 4,000 people who we were expecting to be there that day, and my father, who'd been a life mentor to me, was in Brazil, and he was invited to speak at the largest Nazarene church in the, in the world. And on that day, the, the Wise Heart team was going to be speaking to over 10,000 people. And, and I had not spoken to my father until after the message. And I knew that God had given me a message burning on my heart. Later to find out, it was this very similar message that my father was preaching at the same time. And I knew that God was speaking and using us far beyond anything of our own self. I hesitate to say that because I know more than you and anybody else that it wasn't anything in me. But it was God doing that. But here's the problem. When we're in a time of waiting, we expect to have those zinger moments when God speaks to us just like the highlight reel of your life. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you hear the Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. 
And it's a great moment and God speaks to you. But you know what? God speaks to us in many ways and how he has spoken to us in the past leads up to those moments. And here's what I mean. When I was accepting my call into ministry, that wasn't the first time that God had spoken to me. I was five years old and I was in Olathe, Kansas, and my great-grandfather, Grandpa Bate, had passed away. And I, for the first time, became very aware of death, heaven, and hell. I'd heard about it, but now I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to be with Grandpa Bate. So I went into my parents' bedroom and I said, Dad, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Grandpa Bate when I die someday. And, and I want to pray. And, and my dad's eyes lit up and we prayed together. And, and I had that mentor who pointed me back to Christ. And God touched me and I felt him speak to me for that very first time. But it was at that moment when God spoke to me and I said yes to Jesus. I, I didn't in, in my five-year-old vocabulary know how to say Yes, Lord, your servant is speaking. But with training and, and teaching from the Lord, I began to see that a yes to him then answered other questions later. It began a pattern in my life of hearing God speak to me, and, and sometimes I got it, and other times I didn't get it on the first, first chance. But I heard God speak, and it led to how I deal with the waiting time, waiting to hear God's voice. I was eight years old. I was in Denver, Colorado, and I was in the basement of Denver First Church of the Nazarene. And uh, I was doing what a lot of pastor's kids can do sometimes, causing trouble. And I was walking in that kitchen, and I saw they had a vending machine that was there. It was one of those smaller kind that was like a, a half circle, and, and it would rotate, and, and you'd press a button, and, and these things would turn, and you could begin to see the things in the window that you could purchase and get. But what caught my eye was not the candy, though that often caught my eye. There was a broken piece of the plexiglass window, and, and that piece had been removed. And... And I thought, I, I think I could get my fingers in there. I think I could free up that candy bar that could do some good in my mouth. And, and uh, I mean, who's going to know? Who's going to see it? And so I had some friends around, and I kind of went over to that candy machine, and I looked at it a little bit, and, and I stuck my index finger and my middle finger in that broken piece of that window, that plexiglass window, and I, I pinched that candy bar with my fingers, and I began to pull it out. It was that guilt... It was that conviction of the Holy Spirit that said, don't do it. But I did it anyway. And rudely interrupting the Holy Spirit speaking to me because I was disobeying, my friend thought it would be funny to push that button to make that thing turn. And at that moment, I interrupted him and the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I screamed out, ouch, as my fingers went down and they were caught in that machine. And my friend heard me scream, saw the blood on my finger, and said, I'm out of here. I'm not getting in trouble. I began to pull and I could not get my hand free from the machine and now I'm stuck literally with my hand in the cookie jar and I was calling out for help. To this day I have a scar right here on my finger reminding me of a lesson I learned about hearing God speak but not obeying. As I called out for help, Dave Brown, the administration, administration pastor, came down and that was not the help that I was looking for that would come save me. He was good friends with my father and good enough friend to realize that my dad would want him to step into a parenting role, even though my dad wasn't there at the time. And he said, Brady, uh, what were you doing? Again, all kinds of excuses flashed through my mind of things that seemed to be plausible. I had no idea how stupid they sounded. Like, well, I, I just wanted to make sure that that, that hole was okay. I, I, I wanted to move that candy bar so everybody could see what kind it was in case they wanted to buy it. And it went through my mind that, you know what, I just wanted to see if someone could pull that out so, so nobody would steal it. But on the second chance, 
I said, I, I was trying to steal that candy bar. Now, mind you, this parenting moment from my father's friend, my hand is still stuck and I'm bleeding. That's a great way to get somebody's attention. And he said, well, Brady, let's get your hand free, but more than that, let's get your heart free. And he led me in a prayer of, of repentance and asking Jesus to forgive me of that willful disobedience. God was speaking to me. It wasn't the first time that God had spoke to me, but God was speaking to me. This was not a highlight real moment in my life. I don't think that in the grand scheme of my life that I would have thought right here at this vending machine, this is it. I've lived for this moment, but God was speaking, and the question was, am I listening, and is, is it the Lord that I'm listening to? It was a few years later, I was in fifth grade, and I was in Oskaloosa, Iowa, and my teacher's name was Mr. Rogers, believe it or not. I sat about a third of the way back in that classroom, and in the front right-hand corner of that classroom was a boy named Mace Jiggets. Mace was a different kind of guy. In fifth grade, we couldn't quite figure out what was different about him, but we all knew he was different. He didn't have tennis shoes like the rest of the guys. He had some other weird kind of shoes. He didn't have the clothes that everybody else wanted to have. It was just kind of different. He wasn't bad. He was just weird. We'd play basketball. Uh, he dropped the ball all the time. He was the first guy to get out and dodgeball week after week after week. And so it wasn't like we're trying to be cruel. Just, I mean, who wants to have Mace on your team? You're just going to lose. And I vividly remember sitting there while Mr. Rogers was teaching social studies and the Lord impressed on my heart, who are Mace's friends? I couldn't think of one person in that room who wanted to be Mace's friend. And I felt the Lord tell me in fifth grade, you need to be Mace's friend. It's one of those moments where I got it right the first time and, and I'm thankful to this day that I listened to God and I obeyed. God was speaking. I was wanting to respond. It wasn't a highlight moment. It was in those in-between times that trained my heart. So when I came to that age of 13, when I accepted my call to ministry, it wasn't just that God came down and the lights shone right there on the, on the ground and then all of a sudden I just said, okay, God, I'll go into ministry. But my heart was trained to hear him and to follow him and to move in obedience. That wasn't just in the early stages of my life. That pattern had continued over and over and over. I went to all of that Nazarene University and I was excited not only to study but to, to find the girl that God had for me for the rest of my life. And yet God had been speaking to me and I knew there were some things I didn't have to pray about. If there was any girl that I was interested in, if, if she did not have an openness to me going into full-time ministry, then I'd have to pray about it. It didn't matter how much of a match I thought it would be. It didn't matter how much of anything else that this is not who God had for me. God led me to carry, and not only was she open to me going into full-time ministry, she had a call in her heart herself and in a similar way, and, and God confirmed and he spoke to me, this is the person I have for you for the rest of your life. It's a highlight real moment now for me, but at the time, I had no idea. And saying yes to God and saying, I don't even have to pray about these things because you've already spoken how much that would mean to me today. I got that one right. God blessed me way beyond what I deserve. I think of my sophomore year in college. I was sitting on the bench right outside of Benner Library there at Olivet. I was staring at the glass, and, and I knew that the Holy Spirit was calling me to press into his presence. I felt very clearly in my spirit that God was leading me to, to study a book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And I was resistant 
and I argued with God, and, and I'm ashamed to say I, I went back and forth, and, and my heart was, God, I am a religion student. I'm studying things much deeper than this. I'm studying great theologians. I'm studying great philosophers. I, I am understanding and studying the, the creeds and the councils of the early church. And, and, and to waste my time with reading Henry Blackaby and to do this? No thanks. It began a, a dark, lonely period in my life. You see, not only was I informing God that I was a religion major, a religion student, that was more than my course of study. That was kind of my life motto. I was majoring in religion, and I, I wasn't majoring in God. And it was, it was a, a dark time, and even though God had spoken to me in the past, I had not moved in obedience, and I was not open to that pressing into his presence that he was calling me to. And, and I'll never forget another moment that at the time was not a highlight real moment. It was just an everyday experience. I went to uh, the third service of College Church there at Olivet. Not because it was the best service or it was because it was contemporary. It's because it was the latest and it was the closest to my dorm room. They met in Kresge Auditorium and, and I did my regular pattern and I walked in and I sat in the back row and was kind of punching my card almost literally. To It's kind of hard to be a religion student and not go to church and you're preparing for ministry and you didn't want to go to church. But I was there for religion. I, I really wasn't there for church. And I sat on that back row and... And what can happen so many times in religious education, you slip into this pattern of being an assessor and analyzing everything, and my heart was, was cold. It wasn't anybody else's fault. It was, it was my own doing. And uh, I saw out of the corner of my eye this little girl who was at the front of the auditorium who was dancing. She was no older than preschool or kindergarten, and she was just kind of waving her arms and jumping around and dancing at the worship music, and, and I instantly recognized who she was. I knew her family, and her father was a bass player in the band. And she wasn't just kind of jumping around in her seat. She was dancing around in worship, and she just thought that open aisle was for her to worship, and so she was making use of every inch of that, back and forth. And, and I saw the father was looking down at that daughter, fully expecting to see his wagging finger or a scowl to tell her to stop it, I was surprised when he was staring at her and when her eye caught his, the biggest smile came on his face. When she saw his smile, she stopped and, and she smiled and she lit up. And then she continued to dance with even more exuberance than before. And it stirs my heart to this day. I remember my heart being flooded with the voice of God. And as tears came down my eyes, the Lord said, Brady, uh, that could be you. But she's not worried about what the people think to her left and her right. She's not worried that her father will, will scold her for, for dancing before him. She knew the father well enough to know that when he looked at her, there would be a smile and a face of approval and she looked back and her heart was leaping with joy and in the dry and crustiness of my soul at that moment god began to speak to me about not majoring in religion but majoring in him and pressing into his presence and it wasn't a highlight real moment it wasn't this major huge thing it was a waiting period it was a dry period and, and if you would have asked me then it was a very depressing period but God was speaking. And I had missed it before, but I had gotten it at that moment. 
I could tell you time after time after time after time in my life where that's continued up to this point. There's times when I have called out to God, cried out to Him, begging God to intercede, and, and He didn't. At least not the way that I wanted Him to. There are times when I just barely got a prayer out of my mouth and He answered just like that. I don't always know why God does what he does, but I know he speaks to his kids, and when we wait on him, it is worth it. I share that portion of my story with you to to remind us we are in great danger tonight to punch our card and listen to a talk and go home and feel good about going to church. But when we hear about waiting on God, it's more than just making sure we know why we have presents under the Christmas tree. As important as that is, it's 12 months a year, 365 days a year, waiting to hear what God is doing in our life. God wants to speak to you. Do you know who you're listening to? Are you listening with an attitude of a servant? Are you open to obey what he has to say? And I want you to jot this in. Are you waiting for God to speak in the highlight reel of your life? Or are you listening for God to speak in those in-between times, those moments in between all those events? Because that's where I believe God does the most work in our hearts. It's that waiting time that's not wasted. And in rapid fire, I want to drive home the point that we can't waste This waiting time. In a waiting time, God gives us something that we can't get any other way. He gives us a new perspective. Jot that in, a new perspective. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who who has been given to us. You see, it's in these waiting moments, even these waiting and suffering times, that God wants to give us a new perspective that that builds perseverance, that builds character, that gives us hope, and to a moment, just like when you're sitting in an auditorium in church when you didn't want to be there, and you see the girl dancing, and God says, I want to give you a different perspective, and He floods your heart with the love that the Holy Spirit brings to you. He can speak to you then and give you a new perspective. But some of us, we may miss God's voice because we don't even want to acknowledge that we're waiting. We're so preoccupied with trying to not wait that we miss it. And the waiting time to not waste it, we need to see that God gives us a new provision. He he wants to provide things when you wait that you can't get any other way. He wants to give you joy in the waiting time. Philippians 1, 4, just listen to this. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Now I want you to note something here. This is great for further study this week. This is right through the same vein of thought. This isn't just picking and choosing from all over the place. This is somebody who understands what it means to suffer, understands what it means to persevere, to see character develop, to have hope, and to see love come into his life. We also see that in Philippians 3.14, there is a purpose that's given A new provision of purpose. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As I wait, I see the purpose. As I wait, I see the peace. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, 
Not the peace of myself. Not the peace of everything going my way. Not the peace of understanding everything. But the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You want provision? You want the peace of God? He will give it to you when you wait in those in-between moments. He provides power. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are one of those verses that we learned in Bible school, Sunday school, Sunday night church somewhere, and it's lost its power because of how familiar it is. I think we want to edit the Bible when it says this. I can do, highlight real things in God's strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can make it through this waiting time. I can make it through this dry season. I can make it through this blah. I don't feel anything time because the Lord will provide power in that waiting time. Finally, He'll give us plenty. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. A new perspective, a new provision, and and finally, a, a new proximity. I'm convinced that when we wait, and we don't waste the waiting time, when we feel there is no intimacy with God, we are on a time of our life to have a new proximity with God. So that doesn't make any sense. If I don't feel God is close to me, how can I have this new proximity? Because if I wait and I press in and I see that He gives me another perspective, He provides for me a new way, He's going to give me a different proximity than what I've had before. I love Job 42.5. Listen to this. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Man, is that not us? My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. We can talk about God. We can sing about God. We can reflect about what He's done once upon a time in our life. But now when I have heard you and now I I have seen you, it changes the proximity of the Almighty God who not only speaks to us, who is right there with us. I want to challenge you tonight. Don't waste the waiting time. Don't waste this Advent season. Don't miss an opportunity to experience Christmas afresh and anew in a way that will impact you forever. But, but why just make it about Christmas? What if you took the waiting time on that answer that hasn't come from God and allow Him to give you a perspective and to give you a purpose and to give you this provision in your life? Why not allow God to break through right now? As Pastor Edgar comes, and I'm going to have him just play something on the the piano do you have your list of things that you just want to get answered from god or are you really following his lead on where he wants you to go are you waiting for god to to speak to you in that highlight reel moment only waiting for just that audible call out voice or are you open to hear him all throughout your life don't misunderstand me tonight I love those zinger moments when God calls me by name and I can't miss it. But I believe we, we're in a position to hear that when we have mentors who come around who instruct us, point us back to God. When we take one experience with God and obedience to Him upon another, upon another, upon another. And pretty soon, 
this patch of life, which would destroy someone else, becomes a time when we are shining the brightest for God. I don't want to embarrass this person, but they touched my heart today, and I I don't know if they knew how much they touched my heart. This person came to me and she said, uh, did you get my email? That always scares me because that means no. (laughs) Because if I would have known, I would have said yes, but I just paused. I I didn't get it. It came in on Saturday. I wasn't in the office on Saturday. And and she said, well, I feel like God wants me to be anointed for healing. And and for a number of reasons, I don't want to draw attention to myself. And and I'm not sure I want to do that. but, But I don't want to miss what God is saying to me. And in a moment, I'm going to have her come forward, and, and, and she's been listening to God, and we're going to pray for her and anoint her for healing. But I just want to open up to anybody else. Maybe God's been speaking to you, and you just now realize that you haven't even paid attention. The number's passed two or three times, and, and you need to get back in line and say, God, I've been filling myself so busy in this waiting time because I hate to wait so much that... I just want to sit at your feet and, and listen again. If that's you, in just a moment, when we pray, I want to invite you, I want you to stay right at your seat, but I want you to engage God and listen loud and hard. And maybe you're here tonight and, and God's already spoken to you, you know what it is, and, and you want to come forward and you want to make a movement in obedience. Out of a prayer of faith, you want to come and just sit on the front row if you can't kneel or kneel at the, the steps here. And just say, God, I'm waiting. And I just want to respond, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. But maybe you're hearing, you haven't heard anything. It's aggravating. Everybody else hears something. We want to come and just spend time calling out to God for that intimacy that he wants you to have. Now, if, if, that, if that's you, if you fall in that category, the enemy's going to say, you don't do that. We don't do that here. The chairs are way too close together for me to get up and move. What are people going to think of me if I come and I, I'm, I don't know, I'm going to sit on that thing? Well, the altars aren't there. I can't do that. I can't, I can't just sit on the front row. That'll be weird. Hey, the Father is not going to look at you with a scolding look in His eye. He's not going to wag His finger at you and say, "How dare you make a fool of yourself?" He is going to be thrilled that his kid heard his voice and wants to wrap his arms around you. And who cares what the person to your left or your right thinks? Who cares what I think about you? You've got to get close to Daddy. That's right. or, or maybe that prayer of healing has sparked something in your mind and, and you want to ask God to bring healing to you. I'm not sure where it is. Maybe it's something a million miles away from what I've said. But I just want us to take a couple moments to hang out in His presence.